This is Mike Figliolo, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? I'm Mike Figliolo. I'm the Managing Director of Thought Leaders. We're a leadership development and training firm, and I'm also the author of One Piece of Paper, The Simple Approach to Powerful Personal Leadership, and it's a book on how you can articulate your own personal leadership philosophy on one piece of paper. You left a couple things off that I'm going to have to, for our listeners, add in. I've been, I've been yeah. following Mike for a really long time uh, because I'm fascinated at the diversity of leadership experience he had. He's a, he's a graduate of West Point. He served in the Army as, a, as an armor officer. He's also been at McKinsey, which is sort of, um, uh, you know, e- uh, not, I won't say an equal notable thing. I hold the U.S. Army and West Point much higher than McKinsey, but that's still an incredible place to cut your teeth in the world of consulting. Um, variety of uh, leadership positions within corporate America, and now thought leaders are sort of going it alone or going into that, starting his own firm and leading that. It's a fascinating diversity of leadership experience. And what I love about it is that uh, as I'm reading through your book, uh, I see it all, it all sort of boils down to this leadership maxims idea which I think is really cool, but for for our readers, what are these maxims that you're talking about? Yeah, so the diversity of background, I've been really blessed to have gotten into a lot of wonderful institutions and companies, and what's been really beneficial as I've been there is seeing different perspectives on different aspects of leadership. So in the Army, you get a really healthy dose of uh, leading people of all different backgrounds and, and different skill sets. At McKinsey, I really learned a lot more about how do you lead the thinking and how do you take complex problems and turn them into things that are actionable and that clients can do something with. And then during my time in corporate at Capital One and Scott's miracle Grow, also learned a lot more about leading myself and leading a balanced life, uh, leading myself in terms of where am I really going, right? And it's sort of that um, that time where you take a step back and you, you catch your breath and say, where is this all headed and what does it mean? And then just making sure that you maintain some sense of balance along the way so you don't burn yourself out. And as I went through um, our courses and we were looking at things that would be helpful for our clients in terms of content to teach, uh, somebody, a, a client actually asked me, do you have anything around how people can work on their own personal leadership, on their approach to leadership. And it was like a kind of moment for me. And I said, I I really need to give people a tool, a simple approach to laying out a personal leadership philosophy. And when you hear leadership philosophy, like most people, you probably want to throw up because you think of a buzzword-filled list of platitudes that really don't have any teeth. And I said, whatever I build, it's going to be different than that. That's all I know. And as I work with my colleagues and with some clients and talk about what would be powerful, um, really came to this notion of, and I remember I wrote it a long time ago, this, this list of things that were sort of leadership maxims, and that's what they were called on this little torn up ratty piece of paper that survived multiple office moves. And it was just this list of either aphorisms or sayings uh, or experiences, sort of nuggets from experiences I'd had that sort of said, hey, this is how you want to lead and how you want to behave. And I said, you know what, there's, there's some power and some elegance in that. Let me really put some thought to how to construct a program of, of training around that. And that's when the Leadership Maxims approach was born. And maxims are nothing more than a principle or rule of conduct. So 
when you write a maxim down, when you enter a difficult situation, you should be able to look at that maxim and, and I'm having a tough choice choosing between A or B. And that maxim will tell you, well, you said this is how you want to lead, therefore you should choose A. It helps make those decisions clearer and it sort of serves as that compass for you, so to speak, uh, in terms of how you're going to carry yourself and how you're going to make decisions. And I love that idea because I see the, the consistency that's built throughout that as you go in and you have this document and this is what, what I said and what I told my people I believe about being in charge and being uh, and leading them to wherever we want to go. And now I know what's the standard even I'm going to be measured against in their eyes and that sort of stuff. I love it. I love the idea. And I like the, the way, it, it, as far as I understand from looking at the book, you divided those maxims up into four basic aspects. And when I say as far as I understand, I'm still sort of working this out in my head because I loved the way that you divided them up into four and what I, I'm working out in my head, the parallels between that I see and a little bit of um, Bass and, and Abiolo's transformational leadership's idea. You, you have, and I'll, I'll ask you to kind of summarize them here in a second, but you have leading yourself, leading thinking, leading your people, and leading a balanced life. And I see all these parallels between that and inspirational motivation and intellectual stimulation and and uh, idealized influence, all of those things that we associate with transformational leadership. But talk about those four categories for a little bit and, and how you define each. Yeah, so like you said, the four aspects of leadership that we look at are leading yourself, where are you going, what matters to you, what are your personal guidelines and ethics, uh, how do you inspire and motivate yourself, especially when things get difficult. So that's, that's the leading yourself aspect. Next is leading the thinking, because as a leader, your people are looking to you to set that direction. So how do you set direction? How do you innovate? How do you come up with new ideas? And how do you put action to them? Uh, I have a colleague who says, thoughts are nice, but actions matter. And leading the thinking covers both the thought piece as well as driving them to a level of action. The third aspect of leadership is leading your people. And that really encompasses things like how do you remember to treat them as individuals? How do you let them know these are your standards? How do you motivate, inspire, and develop them and coach them? And then last is, the last aspect is leading a balanced life. Because if you're burned out, you're worthless. And leading a balanced life, there's, there's balance in two components of it. There's work-life balance. And, and I hate the term, um, but it's, it's good shorthand and we know what that means. But there's also work-work balance. And within that, you look at the work that you do, and there needs to be a balance of stuff you love doing and are excited by to balance out all the, all the BS that you have to deal with on a regular basis. Because if that gets inverted and that's out of balance, you're either going to be miserable or you're going to quit. So leading a balanced life, make sure you're balanced um, in your time at home and your time at the office as well as within the work you do at the office. And when you look at those four aspects of leadership, and I hate to use the H word, holistic, right? But it's actually um, the right vocabulary to use here. It does look at you as a complete person. And leadership models that just focus on the leader-led construct, in my mind, fall a little bit short because they're not necessarily pushing you to have balance in your life. They're not pushing you to think about motivating yourself and leading yourself. There, there are components that are missing. Um, so when you look at all four of those, you create this very interesting, mutually reinforcing set of maxims that guide your behaviors, and they guide them no matter where you are. They'll, they'll guide them when you're in the office, when you're with your family, when you're um, making a decision about a new career move, and, and all of those maxims sort of triangulate in and say, this is the type of leader I am, and here are the behaviors that I'd like to demonstrate. 
Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I come from an organizational behavior background, and my I tend to geek out about the little what the research says about how people how to get people to follow you and why people follow leaders. And so I sort of hone in on that, but I agree with you with the holistic imbalance because at the same time, if you if you burnt out, you can't do any of those things. You know, if you know what good leader follower interactions look like, but you're stressed out either from something at home or you're stressed out at work and it's influencing your home, you can't do those good interactions. So it's not sustainable. I, I love the ability to see the sustainable element in these four aspects. Yeah. So two of them, two of the four aspects I really hone in on, like I said, I, I'm kind of a, a bit of a, an org behavior and org leadership geek. Um, and I want to cover them both in a little bit more depth. Uh, the first is the idea of leading the thinking. How, how can somebody become a thought leader? How do they develop maxims for themselves as, as seeking to lead the thinking? Yeah, so I hate buzzwords. They make me physically ill. And you always hear people saying, oh, be a thought leader and think outside the box and push the envelope. It's like, hey, you know what? That's great. What does that actually mean? How do you put it into practice? And how do you make it something that's practical and applicable? And the notion of maxims, I'll, I'll just hit the rewind button a little bit around what a maxim is and is not. Um, a maxim has to have emotional resonance to it because if it doesn't resonate emotionally for you personally, it won't change your behavior. So, for example, if I say my leadership philosophy is to fully maximize the human capital assets that have been allocated to me by the organization to, you know, optimize shareholder value, it's like, okay, but who's Mike, right? There's nothing in there about Mike, his background, his story, his values. It's just a bunch of words that sound really good on paper, but they don't mean anything. And more important, if I'm faced with a situation where I have to choose, those words hold no sway over me. They don't. I can violate them left and right and not feel bad about it. Now, let's contrast that with what I call a maxim, which is something deeply emotionally resonant, and the maxim is the distillation of that experience to get you to behave differently. So one maxim um, that I hold up is, uh, what would Nana say? That's it. What would Nana say? Four words. And when you think about that, you want to talk emotional resonance. Uh, think of my Nana, my grandmother. She passed away about five months ago. And I remember all of my interactions with her. We had a wonderful relationship. And the maxim of what would Nana say, when I'm faced with a difficult choice and I'm not sure which to do, do I do A or do I do B, I can take a step back. I can look at that maxim and say, what would Nana say? And <laughs> Nana would say to do A right now. Why are you even asking this question? And it clarifies what behavior I need to demonstrate because that emotional resonance is what will be that conscience, that that guide to make me make the right choice according to what my maxims are. So when you write a maxim, it needs to have that emotional resonance. It needs to connect to your personal experience, right? Now, in, yeah, terms, of, in terms of leading the thinking, um, one of the things that I push on is how are you going to innovate and foresee the future? As a leader, you're responsible for not looking at the road. You should be looking at the horizon. And how do you see those opportunities or those threats sooner than anybody else? So one of my maxims is the five whys. Why, 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 why? And, it, you know, I know a lot of consulting firms use the five whys, and people are going to say, Mike, that doesn't have any resonance. Actually, it does, because I remember when I was a young consultant, I brought an insight to my manager, my consulting manager, and he asked me why. And I told him, well, this is why I think it's happening. And then he said, well, why is that happening? I said, because... I think this is the reason. He said, well, why is that happening? I was like, dude, what's going on? Why are you asking why so much? 
And then he said, look, if I ask you why five times, by the time I get to the fourth or fifth one, I'll have found an interesting insight and possible answer. And I remember that conversation with him, and I remember sort of the epiphany for me of I need to be pushing my own thinking. I need to be asking why and be intellectually inquisitive in order to find what that insight is. So the five whys are the maxim, just why written out five times are the maxim for me, and they serve as a reminder to push that thinking forward to find those root causes, and the emotional resonance for it in it for me is that conversation with Narendra, which I have really great memories of. And, and it's, I want to do that again. I want to feel that feeling again. So that's, that's one of the um, underlying points around leading the thinking. And there, there are several other pieces around setting a vision and setting um, goals and mission, uh, as well as pushing your people to think beyond business as usual. Yeah, no, and I, and I love it. There's a lot of good content there that uh, I, I like it. We'll just have to give the listeners a, a tease and say you're going to have to pick up the book to see more on that because I'm I'm going to switch over into the next aspect that I really enjoy, which is the idea of maxims for leading people. Um, what what are, how does one develop those those maxims around leading your people, and what's involved in that aspect? Yeah, in terms of leading your people, um, it, you got to think about the interactions you're having with your folks, and I make a, a very strong distinction, and we did it in that ebook a while back around what's the difference between leadership management and leadership, and Management, you manage things. You manage budgets and, and timelines and projects, and you lead people. And leading people is about inspiring folks to do things they might not ordinarily do. So under the aspect of leading your people, we talk about defining your personal natural style. We talk about treating people as individuals and creating a reminder to treat them as individuals. I talk about how do you stay connected to their reality, the reality of their jobs, the reality of their experiences, because that's how you get the most out of them. And lastly, how do you commit to their growth? Because people don't go to work for the money. I mean, they do, but that's not the real reason. The reason they grow is to grow, be developed, to be challenged. So under that aspect of leadership, those four questions are the area that I have readers explore to be able to develop their own maxims. And I'll give you an example on, of, of a maxim on leading your people in terms of remembering to treat people as individuals. Um, for me, my maxim on that is actually the image of a can of 7-Up. That's it. It's just a 7-Up can. And for you, that means nothing. But let me tell you the story behind it. The story behind it is when I was in the Army, I had a soldier who was a problem child. He would show up late. He'd show up drunk. He'd show up late and drunk. Um, you'd have to micromanage him, and it, and it was a chore. And one day we were out at Gunnery, and I gave my driver uh, five bucks, and I told him to go get some sodas, and I gave him a list of sodas to buy and who to give them to. And I, he, the driver came back, started handing out the sodas, and he gave the problem child a can of 7-Up. And problem child looked at my driver and said, you know I drink 7-Up? And my driver said, no, Lieutenant Figliola knew. And problem child looked at me and said, sir, you know I drink 7-Up? I said, yeah, I know a few things about you. And it was like the next day, it was a different soldier. He was doing his job. He was showing up on time. He was cleaned up. His uniform looked good. He did his job all day. And at the end of the work day, I asked him, hey, great job, but, like, what's going on here? This is not normal for you. And he said, remember when you got me that can of 7-Up yesterday? Well, when you did that, you told me that you care about me as a person, as an individual, and it's been a long time since anybody treated me that way, 
So I figure if you care about me, I should probably care about the job I do for you. And it was like, holy cow, you know, a can of soda, a can of 7-Up. So for me, that maxim, that can of 7-Up, reminds me that there's a lot of power in treating people as individuals. And then when I look at that one piece of paper where my maxims are written and that can of 7-Up is there, it serves as a reminder of, hey, Dave's on your team. When's the last time you knew something personal about Dave? What does Dave really care about? Who is he as an individual? I love that story. Uh, you know, as I said, I tend to geek out on a lot of the research that's what Leader Lab's about. And as, as you're telling it, I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's the principle of individual consideration, individual consideration. However, the, the image of a can of 7-Up, I think, explains the whole thing a lot better than the entire chapter on individual consideration in, in whatever the uh, researchers would read. I think it, it distills much better into he drinks 7-Up. Um, I, I want to ask you on that, on that idea of, of distillation. You do a great thing in the book, which is at the end, you actually list what your one page is, your leadership maxims, and there's a lot in there. You've covered a couple of them, but I want to ask, what's your favorite one? I don't know that you can have to say there's a favorite. That's a setup question, Dave, right? I, I love them all. all right. I wish they wouldn't be on that piece of paper, but um, I okay, probably how about, how, about, how about the best story? Um, you know, I think the can of 7-Up is honestly uh, one of the best stories, um, it, just because I, I remember that can of 7-Up. I see people... I. Pre- I've done, I do presentations and training on the leadership maxims method, and I've given a keynote presentation, and like two years later, somebody has come up to me and said, hey, that can of 7-Up story. It's like, oh my gosh, not only do I remember it and it resonates for me, but it resonates for other people who heard it once at a presentation. They didn't even have the experience. Um, so that, that seems like it's pretty powerful. Um, another one of the stories was about a great boss that I worked for. And a, a lot of my maxims are based on really great bosses that I've had experiences with. And one of those bosses, I walked in his office for a meeting, and he was yelling at Peter on the other end of the phone. Uh, and he just kept saying Peter's name, and he was really angry. No, Peter. Yes, Peter. You didn't think about this, Peter. And he was kind of going off. And after he hung up, I said, you know, who are you talking to? And he said, Peter. And Peter was our EVP. And I was like, um, why are you talking that way to Peter, who's really senior to you? And this leader looked at me and said, kick up, kiss down. And I said, what do you mean? He said, my job as your boss, as your leader, is to kick up when higher headquarters messes up and it's going to affect you negatively. My job is to let them know that. I need to kick up. And that's what I was doing. I was kicking up. Peter needed kick. He made a decision. He didn't think it through, and it affected, it's going to affect you badly. So my job as your leader is to kick up. And then kiss down is praise your people and let them know you love them, um, do it publicly, et cetera. And ever since then, I've had kick up, kiss down as one of my maxims because I admired this leader and I said, I want to lead like that guy. That's a standard I want to hold myself to. No, I love that because the standard most people default into is the exact opposite, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why it was so powerful uh, for me to see him do that and he actually regretted teaching me that one day because a few months later he made a decision that was a bad one. And I went in his office and I kind of went a little bit ballistic and he agreed that he had made a bad decision. And as I was walking out of his office, I said, kick up, right? And he's like, I can't believe I taught you that. But yeah, exactly. So it's, um, it was a great experience for me. I, I learned a lot from that guy and I feel shamelessly from his leadership style because uh, I want to emulate that. 
Oh no, that's awesome! I, every I think every good person that develops himself as a as a leader ends up stealing a little bit. Everything's a remix, after all. Anyway, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? If if you want to pick up some great maxims of your own to steal, or you want to distill your own experiences into some maxims, I I want to recommend one piece of paper, um, the Simple Approach to Powerful Personal Leadership. It's a phenomenal book for teaching you how to do that. But Mike, I, w- I want to shift the attention to you for a little while. Uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, what I'm reading right now is uh, I just am almost done with the Dragonfly Effect. It's uh, another Ghosty Bass book, and it's about um, really how to advance causes using, um, you know, the power of online, right, driving social good through online channels and creating causes and incorporating people uh, into those causes. So that's, that's one that I've picked up. Uh, another one I read recently was Reality-Based Leadership uh, by Cy Wakeman, which is also Josie Bass read. And, and what I love about that one is it, there's no BS. It, it's just really straightforward. It's really practical. And that style resonates with me. And, you know, I'm sure that comes across in my book as well. And uh, one of the things that's really big for me and any reading that I'll do, and I will put books down. I mean, if they're if they're nothing but buzzwords and platitudes, I get about a third of the way through, and and then somebody gets it as, as a gift, right? And uh, it for me, it's got to be it's got to be direct and it's got to be authentic. And again, authentic can be a buzzword, and people say, ah, I want to be authentic. I want to be an authentic leader. It's like, what does that actually mean? What it means is being you, with your vulnerabilities, with your failures, with your frailties, with your strengths, with your passions, and and just being yourself for crying out loud. That's what people want, but we're really afraid to do that because we have to expose ourselves. We have to put ourselves out there and say, hey, you know what? Here's some things that aren't pretty about me. You should know that. Um, people don't like doing that. They don't, they don't like exposing themselves and, and creating that vulnerability. But if you look at like Keith Ferrazzi's work uh, around Never Alone, and, and he talks a lot about vulnerability, and it's just a great model. Um, I was thrilled that Keith endorsed my book. It, you know, I took that as an incredibly high compliment. Because, the, and, and the reason I asked him is he understands authenticity and, and he understands vulnerability and how that vulnerability creates that trust and that bond between the leader and the led. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think it's a whole lot easier to, to crawl into some buzzword-filled model than it is to really be authentic. And, and I, I'm exactly like you. It's funny you say you re-gift them, but we get, we get a lot of books to review uh, and we don't bring, uh, we bring less than half of them to the attention of uh, posting reviews on the Leader Lab or, or doing the podcast because they're exactly like that. They're buzzword laden, and I, I actually call them donors. What I mean is, I just go ahead and take the book right to the to the public library and just donate it. <laughs> now I know we're in, we're in the middle of the launch on one piece of paper. We are uh, October 18th, I believe, is the release date. But what what's next for you, or what are you working on in the pipeline? Yeah, so actually, and Amazon just updated. They just sent out the email saying, hey, they're going to be in the warehouse on October 1st, and they'll be shipping out between the 6th and the 11th. So for the first time in my life, I've had a, a, a timeline moved off in a positive way, right? So really wow. excited about – yeah, I know. It's it's great. Um, so they're on sale, and people are buying – Kindle version is out there already and the Nook version. So it's really exciting. I mean, you were literally talking to me on – you know, launch week. I'm sitting here. I just got my copies of the book, my hard copies, about an hour ago, and they're sitting here unopened on my desk. And I'm, you know, I'm dying to do this interview and get it done because I'm really passionate about it, but I also want to open it and, like, actually hold a copy of this book. So I'm in the throes of the launch. But in terms of what's next, 
Um, you know, for me, it's really about getting this message out there and doing the launch well and helping drive the message home, not just in terms of the launch, but I've got the Leadership Maxims Forum that we've put up on the One Piece of Paper website, and that's where people can, as people go through the book and they create their own maxims, I want them to share them on that site. I want them to share them with other leaders. I want them to share their personal stories. I want to interact with the readers because this is not a reading book. This is a workbook. And the book is constructed such that as you work your way through it, you write your own personal leadership philosophy. So the what's next for me is really about getting the message out about maxims and also taking opportunities to train it. So I do keynotes on it and training on it. Um, so that's really what's next in terms of the book. In terms of what's next for me and uh, the other parts of my business, it's about continuing to um, serve our clients and serve them well. We have great clients like Abbott and Discover and Heinz, uh, Service Master. They treat us phenomenally, and we, we owe them a lot in terms of helping us be successful. So serving them, we've got a couple other courses that we've uh, recently launched and really driving those out to our clients uh, as they demand them. So those are, those are sort of top of mind. It's business as usual, but for me, business as usual is at about 900 miles an hour. Yeah, especially now that the uh, now that the book's out and it's time to get everybody connecting around the ideas in it for sure. Well, we will we'll definitely be posting links to the one piece of paper website and obviously the book uh, on the on the show notes page of our site at theleaderlab.org. Mike, thank you so much for joining us inside Leader Lab. It's been my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about a topic I'm extremely passionate about. So thanks for your interest in it and for giving me a shot to talk to your listeners. 